Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Brent Sun. And Brent is the CEO of Wayland Tech. Brent, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Wayland Tech? Sure, sure. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so Wayland Tech is um, a software as a service uh, company, um, and it's certainly platform. Um, we have been in business since um, early 2015. And we currently trade on the OTCQX market under the uh, ticker symbol WEYL. Um, we have a DIY do-it-yourself uh, mobile app that is uh, predominantly focused on micro and small businesses. Um, I believe they're, they're more commonly referred to, at least in, in uh, developed markets, um, as SMBs. Um, <clears throat> but the regions that we focus in um, mostly have micro businesses that are typically mom and pop shops, so two to three people and under, actually. Um, the reason we have a focus on small businesses and then certainly a regional focus um, in Asia, in specifically Southeast Asia, is because uh, predominantly two things. One, um, the cost of a mobile app, um, if you're a business owner and you want one developed, is typically around three to $5,000, plus you would pay for up updates, um, additional costs such as marketing campaigns, um, sales promotions, and, and additional functionalities added on top. So the approach that, that we took was a monthly subscription fee, um, depending upon the, the region and certainly depending upon functionality. That, that monthly charge ranges from about $20 to $50 a month. So comparing that to, to a three to $5,000 price tag makes it very accessible for small, small business owners to, to uh, have. Uh, furthermore, since it's all template-based, um, the, the whole DIY nature of it is such that um, anyone with, with, in fact, zero IT experience can create their own app for their business in less than two hours. So there's, there are literally close to 300,000 um, customers that have essentially built their own app, um, and all of them have done so uh, in two hours or less. Um, so that, that's the, the core product. Um, on, a, on a regional basis, we have chosen to focus on Southeast Asia primarily because of, of two factors. One, the uh, up, uptake in mobile phones um, and country dependent, that ranges from you know, as low as 60% uh, penetration to as high as um, over 100% penetration. And when, when we say over 100%, it's because a lot of people in these countries have more than one phone. Um, these devices are predominantly Android-based as opposed to Apple, primarily because of, of, of price. Um, you, can, you can purchase um, Android-based phones in, in Southeast Asia, China, India, um, for as low as 40 U.S. dollars. So what, what's happened over the past five years is that entire generations of, of, of uh, consumers um, have basically skipped an entire generation of 
of desktop and, and laptop computers and have gone straight to mobile. Um, so with this in mind, you've got roughly 700 million people in Southeast Asia. Um, 260 million of those are in Indonesia. That's our primary focus. So um, with our core product, CreateApp, um, we do operate in predominantly greater Asia, a little bit in Europe, um, and a specific focus on Southeast Asia with a further focus on Indonesia. Um, um, we, before we go too yes. far, I just want to make sure I understand your, your product offering. So the way I'm thinking of it is like in this country, uh, we have uh, you know WordPress with themes and plugins, and it's just a simple way to get a, a website going. Do, are you offering something similar to that, but on, for emerging countries and you know less expensive and geared towards the phone? Is, is that correct? In, in, in some ways, yes, Jeff. Um, you know, we're, much like WordPress, it, you, you've obviously seen the, the, the trajectory of Shopify, Wix, GoDaddy. Um, and what I would point out is that those are primarily uh, websites that are optimized for a mobile device. Those are not actual native apps. So a small business would have a website through any of those providers with, with their mobile phone um, uh, website optimized. So it's not an actual app, it's just a website on the phone. Uh, what's different about ours is it's an actual native app. So it's an app, not a website. Okay, and then in terms of the competition, uh, who do you go up against and where do you fit in that food chain? That, that's, that's actually an, an interesting question. Um, if, if, we, if we operated in the U.S., there are approximately a couple dozen uh, competitors, um, but we don't. We have not, um, we have not chosen to, to operate in or compete in the U.S., and, and that's primarily a function of customer acquisition costs. What you find is that uh, companies that provide mobile apps typically spend 2 to $3 to achieve $1 of revenue. What we found in, in emerging markets is that that cost is considerably less, uh, sometimes as, as little as um, you know, 50 cents on the dollar. So we've chosen to operate there. Um, <clears throat> what we are also seeing is that um, by what I had mentioned earlier, and that you've had in, in entire populations in certain countries skip the whole desktop and laptop environment, there's no need for them to have an actual website. So therefore, mobile apps are much more um, <laughs> appealing and certainly uh, uh, more widely acceptable. Now, who's your customer? Is it the end user? Um, the, the, way that, the way that we, we, we uh, view it is a small business would be our end user, but then their customers would be their end user. So think of it as you know, a coffee shop. Um, they have loyalty cards. This would, in, in effect, replace the loyalty card through an app and also enable uh, mobile commerce. Uh, marketing and promotions directly through the phone, um, the ability to order and pick up or order and have it delivered. Um, and then um, their end customers um, are, 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 again, are their, are their uh, end users, and the actual business itself would be our end user. 
I see. And and how are you reaching your customers? The the way that we've 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 done it historically is um, instead of of having a large dedicated sales force, um, we have chosen to do white label partnerships, and these partnerships consist of companies that already have a user base of small businesses, and they range from uh, consumer software companies to logistics and delivery companies um, to other mobile app companies that do not have a DIY type app. Okay. Do you, do you have one large partner or numerous partners, or, or who are some of the partners? We, we cur- well, we currently have seven partnerships. Uh, I think the one that would probably have the, the most uh, brand relevance would be um, Orange. Okay. And the the business um, that you've been describing, um, that's where the revenue is coming from today. But I, I noticed correct. you you have a new area um, of fintech. Is that correct? That's exactly right, Jeff. So our, our core business, Create App, um, is currently on a twelve month trailing. Uh, I'm sorry, trailing twelve month run rate of about thirty two million dollars. Um, up from around $22 million last year uh, for the calendar year. Um, so that's been growing at about a 40% clip. Um, I would point out that the landscape of, of competitors um, are primarily venture-funded or um, owned by larger software companies. Um, and that's actually quite key because, the again, the customer acquisition cost is so high. Um, so we've done, we've done a fair job of growing in an environment where we've had neither uh, venture funding um, of a large nature or an institutional funding round. Um, so although our growth has been quite good, uh, we intend to um, grow through um, proper fu- funding rounds once we uplist to NASDAQ, which I think is, is, is uh, much, more, much more readily done. Um, we have launched in Indonesia a fintech product uh, which is called um, an e-wallet. And the branding that we've, we've launched that under is called ATOS Pay. So if one were to look at, at uh, this past year's uh, news, news releases, they would see that um, our e-wallet, ATOS Pay, um, operates primarily in Indonesia. Um, essentially, that replaces um, what one would typically use a bank account or a credit card for. Um, <clears throat> one of the statistics that, that, I, that I threw out earlier is that you've seen um, smartphone penetration or mobile phone penetration uh, between the 60 to 100% level. Indonesia is quite interesting because their, their smartphone penetration is currently about 70%. What's also unique about the country as an opportunity is that 70% of the entire population of 260 million people are what are called unbanked. That means they do not have bank accounts, as we're used to here. Um, I'd say probably about 99.5% do not have credit cards. So in this type of environment, which is actually also not unique to Indonesia, you also see it in other emerging markets like the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, all very highly populous countries. Um, people predominantly pay with cash. So with the advent of e-commerce and 
e-commerce, mobile commerce, if you will, um, there has been a, a distinct need for an e-wallet. So people who typically pay cash, in this instance what they do is they go to, to a local merchant, uh, they download our app, they give them cash, and then they get credits on their phone which are issued by the, phone, the local phone companies and are um, as good as cash. You can use them to purchase your goods and services. You can pay your electric bills, utilities, um, purchase uh, um, bus and train tickets, um, and essentially use it to conduct commerce um, minus actual cash at each, at each individual place that you would want to, to purchase uh, goods or services. And you introduced that uh, when? Uh, we introduced that last year. Oh, okay. Uh, is it too soon to tell what kind of ramp it's getting, what kind of uptake? Um, it's the the ramp has been has been fairly modest. We're currently um, at, at what's called uh, a, a GTV or, or gross transaction volume level um, at a, of around twelve million a year. Now that twelve million million a year, we do not consolidate into our revenues. So as as we were a minority direct shareholder, um, but um, we've recently exercised an option to to expand expand our stake in the business. So um, we're aiming for Q1 of next year to be able to cons consolidate that number. Now, oh, I see. So that's not wholly owned. Um, okay, the the uh, the country restrictions on foreign ownership um, stand at about uh, forty nine point nine percent. So we had a forty nine percent stake plus an option to acquire an additional thirty one percent. So we had effective we have effective control of eighty percent. Um, the other twenty percent is actually owned by our team in Indonesia. So they're all locals. Um, they have an, an equity stake in the business. Um, but last year, we spun off the 49% to our shareholders and have just recently exercised a 31% option. So we will be consolidating that um, in, in, uh, as early as next year. So you're, you're going after some pretty large markets, it seems. And you're growing nicely, but in terms of um, – capping growth or restricting growth, what, what's the biggest factor for that? The, uh, one, of the, one of the big, one of the big um, challenges that we've had, um, and, and certainly not unique to us, um, is that the landscape for, um, for peers in Indonesia, for example, um, is dominated by around 15 companies um, that all have unicorn valuations. Um, I think the smallest one is a billion. The largest is about 20 billion um, in, in its most recent uh, uh, funding round. Um, these companies are backed by a, a, a virtual who's who of strategic investors and financial investors. So, you know, although uh, you know, one here in the U in the U.S. might sort of roll their eyes and go, well. How do, we, how do we know that a company in, in distant Indonesia is worth a billion dollars or $5 billion or $20 billion? Um, you look at the nature of the investors, and that will, that will give you a very good insight into the validity of it. So on the strategic side, um, it would be Alibaba, Tencent, 
um, JD.com, which are the, the three largest Chinese companies. Um, they've been on the strategic investment side. Um, here in the U.S., uh, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Salesforce, Oracle um, have all been extremely active and in, in all support um, members of that 15 unicorn uh, landscape. Um, on the financial side, um, the first uh, financial investor that we saw in, enter the fray about five years ago was Sequoia. Um, since then, we've seen Kleiner Perkins, Benchmark, KKR, Warburg, Pincus, TPG Group, um, and literally every major investment bank's uh, private equity division. So, so how are you? I'm sorry. How are you competing against these guys, and uh, how do you stand out when they obviously have a lot more resources? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't. We don't compete against them. What, what we've done is, is we've taken a positioning where um, we are um, partnered with almost all of them. So in other words, our, our e-wallet is uh, integrated in or is um, uh, accepted by all of those unicorn-valued companies. But what we've done on the positioning side is, is instead of competing in the two large, largest cities, we've gone into second and third tier cities because as you start to see the larger competitors come down the, the pyramid, they start to go into the second and third tier cities, thereby positioning us to be an acquisition candidate. Uh, I see. Alongside that, we're also uh, working with, one, with the largest company in the, in the field, Grab, um, their latest funding value put them at, at a $20 billion um, valuation. Uh, we've partnered with them on the launch of our uh, food delivery service, which I can speak to in a moment. Um, but the whole idea behind it was never to be uh, competing and trying to be relevant because with average funding rounds you know, in, a, in excess of, of $400 million, it's very difficult to think that one's going to compete. It's, it's better to position to be an acquisition or, or a strategic investment candidate, which is what we've done. I see. And then in terms of growth, um, what are some of the drivers? Um, growth in, in terms of, of, of a macro basis, um, I, I would say, is continued smartphone penetration, um, continued um, acceptance and embracing of, of, of mobile apps, and then higher price points. So those things um, are, are quite compelling as it relates to Indonesia and other emerging markets. But, but what we've done um, recently, um, and as evidenced by um, a press release two days ago, um, we have agreed to acquire a U.S.-based group uh, named Push Interactive, based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, what that does um, is it enables us to do a North American launch of CreateApp um, and <clears throat> What we, what we originally discovered when we first started speaking with them four months ago about product collaboration is that customer acquisition cost um, by using their platform or I- integrating, if you will, um, came down to about 30 cents on the dollar. So it made us very competitive um, in the developed market. And this touches upon your question earlier about some of the competitors. Um, and furthermore, what we, what we end up uh, co-creating with push, um, we would then launch into emerging markets um, as they start to mature over the next two to five years. So um, that acquisition uh, was originally driven 
by collaboration on the product side. Well, will that uh, require a lot of uh, investment in software, or will your software transfer over nicely to the U.S.? Um, it, it would require very little in the way of, of enhancements. Um, we're currently in 14 languages, but English is the base language, so there will not be, we, we will not need to uh, do any further enhancement to the platform. It's more of an integration effort between the, the tools from Push Interactive and our Create App platform, which we're actually okay. doing right, right this very moment. Can you touch on the, the revenue model? Sure, sure. So um, it's currently a recurring revenue base, uh, all uh, subscription, um, <clears throat> subscription based. Um, so monthly recurring. Um, we will continue that, um, but certainly in North America and, and then and then other um, markets that are more developed, um, we would continue that. But we intend to do so instead of on a white label basis as we've done previously, we'll do it under our own brand, uh, Create App, thereby commanding higher margins without the revenue share. Okay. And you mentioned NASDAQ, but I'm looking at the share price. It looks like it's going to require a, a reverse split. Are, are you planning that in the near future? We are. Actually, on the 15th of this month, um, shareholders approved uh, management's discretion to do a reverse split uh, for the sole purpose of qualifying for NASDAQ. So um, we, are, <clears throat> we, we had that approved. Um, we're in the process right now, in fact, of, um, of finalizing that with FINRA. Uh, right after the FINRA um, approval, then we will um, go to NASDAQ and they'll take it to their uh, final approval committee. Any other events or catalysts that we should look for over the next 12 months? Um, I, I think it would be, for, for one, and, and I didn't touch on this earlier, we, we've recently uh, launched a food delivery business um, in Indonesia that, um, very simply put, it's it's different than than most food food delivery services in that it's it's uh, foot based delivery people instead of uh, on scooters, motorcycles, or cars. What that's done is it's cut delivery time down from an average of 45 minutes to um, around 15 minutes, so people get their meals faster and still hot. Um, We've only launched that just four months ago, so we've gone from zero to 50,000 users of the app, um, and we're doing about 15,000 deliveries a day. Um, we've, we've managed to attract the attention of Grab, um, specifically their Grab Food Division, um, and they've partnered with us to do a, a, a 10 block, um, 100 building pilot, um, which we're just uh, in the middle of now. Um, we're seeing it scale exactly as we did with one block and uh, two buildings. And uh, we anticipate uh, the, the potential for a strategic investment from Grab to scale it to um, around 200 to 500 square blocks and uh, you know, buildings in the range of 10,000 to 20,000. Uh, just just by, uh, by way of background. Uh, Jakarta, Indonesia is home to about 30 million people, uh, so the population density is there. And being able to scale up to you know, a million consumers uh, with the app and a quarter million deliveries per day is, is, certainly, uh, is certainly there. 
Now, your products seem like they fit nicely together. Uh, for Indonesia, are, are they all integrated already where I can have uh, use your product for my, my site for my, uh, for, or your app for my restaurant? I can have people order the food and, and pay for it with your, um, with your um, fintech product? Correct. Actually, if, if, if someone has the uh, food delivery app, integrated into that is the e-wallet. So they would use our, our e-wallet to pay for it. But what we did that's a little different is we didn't restrict them to just using our e-wallet. So if they already have an e-wallet, which most people do, um, they can pay for their meals with that. Um, by using our our e-wallet, they get a slight they get a slight discount, um, so it does incentivize them. But what it does not do is preclude them from using it um, just because they wouldn't have our e-wallet. So there's a direct fit there. Um, on Create App, uh, what we what we hope to see is um, as we scale up the number of of uh, restaurants um, and merchants. Um, that the that the consumers buy from, uh, we would we would uh, hope to see that there is uptake of the Create App um, platform as well uh, for their app um, on a on a daily on a daily basis. So yeah, they do they do all they do all tie in together. So before we go, um, anything we're leaving out that you want to you want to add? Um, I don't believe so. I, I think that's it. If you had any other questions or, or uh, wanted me to elaborate on anything further, I'm happy to. We're good for now. It's a, it's a very interesting story, interesting way to play emerging markets, and it seems like you have uh, not only a lot, a lot of leverage, but uh, a lot of room to run in these markets. So uh, we'll keep it posted. Thank you. Sure, sure. Um, I, yeah, there, is, there is one other thing. Um, I, the one thing that I did not speak to was valuation. Um, there, given the fact that we've been on the on the OTC market um, for a few years um, and are in the process of, of uplisting, um, what we hope to achieve is is a valuation uptick that is um, that is similar to uh, other software as a service companies um, and certainly um, uh, app companies that are publicly traded. The average price to revenue multiple that we see is about 11.9 times revenues based on trailing 12 months revenues for for uh, Wayland Tech we're at about 1.5 so there's a pretty large disparity I would say that most of that is a result of being on a on a junior uh, on a junior market and uh, little to no institutional um, exposure so we hope to narrow that gap um, as we uplist. Well, with NASDAQ, there's a lot of professional investors who can't buy below NAS, NASDAQ, and so, that, so that's the thinking there? Correct. Good. Okay. Well, uh, thank you again, Brent, and uh, great story. Great. Jeff, thanks so much.